Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. All right, open up your Bibles. Luke chapter 12. And today we continue our uh, Acceptable Sin series. Now, I do want to clarify, um, some people weren't sure about the type on the graphic for this series. It is out of focus. It is blurry. It's not your eyes. It's not your glasses. Some people had to check their glasses and kind of do the whole double take and it's actually the graphic. So don't just want to be clear, clarify that for people. Uh, so we're looking at uh, the sins that are acceptable. What sins are acceptable? None. None. All right, three of us know that there's no acceptable sin. Good. We're off to a good start. And last week we talked about laziness. Had some great conversations coming out of that about what laziness is and being challenged. And maybe I'm just not overall lazy. Maybe I'm really productive in this area of life. But when it gets to this area of life, maybe I nail it at work, but I'm just lazy with my family. Or maybe I'm excellent with my family, but when it comes to my relationship with God, I'm just lazy and I can't be bothered. And and talked about the difference between what it is to be lazy and what it is to actually rest and to have an attitude of rest no matter how busy we might get uh, and the rest that we need and rest um, as actually a spiritual act of worship and rest is warfare Um, and so just clarifying the difference between the two Um, so I hope that that was helpful for you Uh, and as always if you're not here uh, for a Sunday or you want to go back you can go to the website horsham.org.au and listen to the previous week's messages not only for this series but previous series as well. So today we continue uh, and today we're going to be talking about gluttony. I did have some people say I'm not coming. <laughs> so it's alright, it's okay. Um, and I know gluttony, preparing for today, gluttony kind of strikes me as one of the sins that we're going to cover in that we would say it's physically, perhaps the most physically obvious if somebody engages in gluttonous behaviour. That you might, you might be envious, you might have pride in your life, but they're kind of internal things. But if somebody's a glutton and they're a glutton for a long time, eventually you, we, we tend to think that becomes really obvious in, in some way, shape or form. That could be the case, but the problem with that is that we're still judging people from their external experience. Because some people here today, you might look at me and think, what would you know about gluttony? Because of my physique. (laughs) This takes work. Some of you don't believe me. (sighs) Flabbergasted. (laughs) And look, I'll, I'll say this every week. And if I don't say it, I'll still mean it. There is no judgment attached to this message. There is no shame, there's no, like, I don't prepare this message and think, oh, this will be good for this person, oh, this person needs to hear it. That does not happen, all right? I get with, in the Word, I get with God and say, God, what do you want to say to us as a community? And like I said last week, I prepare these messages, I preach these messages, half the time I'm just preaching to myself and you get to listen in on it, all right? And, and part of that is, I want to say that because we can go, oh, there's a certain group of people who are clearly gluttons because we look at them and we see them in the physical 
they must be gluttons because of their particular shape. All right? Again, I'm not trying to offend anybody at all, I'm just trying to be clear about it. That's looking at people as the world sees them. And we talked about the, uh, the letter that Paul writes to the church at Corinth and says, no longer do we see as the world sees, but now we see in a new way because we have Jesus Christ. And we're, meant to be, we're called to be ministers of reconciliation on a mission from God to actually reconcile the world to the Father, not to just call people out for how we see them in the worldly perspective. And so the call on us as we talk about gluttony, as we talk about any of these sins, isn't to go around going, who's a glutton? Oh, all right, I've learned a bit more about gluttony. You're clearly a glutton. You should fix that behavior. That's not what we're actually called to do. The first and foremost is actually for us to get before Holy Spirit today as part of this message to go home over the days and the weeks ahead and go, Lord, would you reveal to me, is this some of my behavior? Is there gluttony in my life? Am I lazy in an area of my life? Is there gluttony in my life? Is there pride or envy that I need to deal with? Because Lord, I might be blinded to it. Lord, if there's somebody that needs to speak into my life to reveal this behavior, would you bring them into my life? God, would you speak to me and reveal if this is some of my behavior? I don't think we have any rights to make judgments based on external experiences. And somewhere along the way, we have, you, you know what my family's like. We're tall, we're skinny, get over it. <laughs> like, somewhere along the way, it's okay, this is just my little soapbox, all right? It's okay to say to people, like, and I'm not really hung up about it, I find it interesting, it's kind of a social commentary. It's okay to say to people, oh, you're so tall or you're so skinny. Would you agree? It's okay, like, that's almost like a compliment. Like, I can do anything about my height. But if I say to somebody, oh, you're short and fat, <laughs> that's rude, isn't it? Like, you wouldn't, well, I wouldn't dream of saying that to somebody. Do, do you see what I mean? So it's okay, it's socially acceptable to say, oh, you're so tall, oh, you're so skinny. Can't say, oh, you're short and fat. I'm not, this isn't an invitation to now sort of point out to people, oh, you're really short and fat, and Jared said it's okay. That's not what I'm saying. Please, please. Let's not be the church that calls people out for being short and fat. Like, I'm saying let's get beyond actually seeing, like, you know, they talk about you, we judge someone in the first three seconds or some ridiculous amount of time that we meet them. That's based on what we see with our human eyes. Do you know when um, David was chosen to be king, was it the prophet Samuel? He went and he said um, to David's dad, show me all your sons. And he gets seven sons and... It's like, no, 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 no. And like, well, it's none of them. And even the prophet of God was like, oh, it's got to be one of these guys. They're tall, they're rugged, they're good looking. It has to be one of these guys. Oh, no, it's the kid out in the paddock that we don't even care enough about to actually get him in. And, God, and it says, you know, God sees the heart where man's looking at external experience, at the external appearance. And... My, my thing is that I want us to get beyond just seeing people based on their physical makeup. Like our first port of call when we meet somebody, when we have a conversation is, God, how do you see this person? God, what do you want me to speak into this person's life? What do you want me to say to this person? And then we can't help but actually love the person because it gets beyond the physical appearance and we get to the heart of the person. We connect with the person as God wants to connect with the person. And if we do that, we'll see lives change, we'll see the community change, and we'll see the world 
changed. So tall, skinny, fat, short. I think there's a song about it, but I don't know what it is. The other um, comment I want to make is that our sin is never in isolation. And I know I've been times in my life when there's been sin in my life and I think that it just affects me. I don't think there's any sin. When you live in community, as you all do, as we all do, that your sin is isolated from hurting anybody else, from having an impact on, on, on anybody else. Our sin is never in isolation. It might be, you know, personal private sin and we're, we're going to talk about different aspects of, you know, private sinful life over the, the coming weeks. But I don't think that you can sin even in private on your own and it not have an overflow effect to the people around you. Like, that's just believing a lie. That, oh, if I'm like this over here, it doesn't hurt anybody else. It doesn't have an impact. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what the sin, if it's laziness, gluttony, envy, pride, lust, whatever it might be, somewhere along the line that overflows from within ourselves, within our own private life to the people around us. And that might be the family that we live with, it might be the community, the church that we're a part of, it might be our workplace, just because it becomes a part of who we are and how we operate, how we see the world around us. No sin is in isolation. And we can't believe that it is. There's a story I want to share um, from Judges. It's the first, when I looked at gluttony, when I thought about gluttony, it's for some reason, maybe this is just a sign of how my mind works. Um, from Judges chapter 3. You can look it up later. I just want to get the names right because they're a little bit confusing. But it's about um, an, an evil ruler over Israel who's come and taken them captive and then one of the judges uh, comes along and the judge's name was Ehud. And so Ehud is this left-handed guy from the tribe of Benjamin. And they weren't common, but the tribe of Benjamin had a whole bunch of warriors who were either left-handed or ambidextrous, which was really um, useful in those days in fighting because most of the warriors were right-handed and trained for right-handed battle. And so here was this group of warriors that were left-handed and they could actually fight most often with, um, with both hands. So if you're left-handed or ambidextrous, you have unique talent and power that us right-handers don't have. All the left-handers are going, yes, I knew I was different. I was better than the rest. It's not true. You're different. Not necessarily better. So Ehud go- <laughs> Sorry, Dennis. Ehud. And it points out that he's a left-handed man. Uh, and he goes to uh, visit Eglon, the king of Moab, who's ruling over Israel. Uh, this is Judges chapter 3. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, left-handed man, the son of Gera, the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with a tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud had made a double-edged sword about a foot and a half long, which is strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. You don't want to get that messed up, do you? Like, you've got an 18-inch dagger strapped to your inner thigh. You don't want to slip. I'm sorry, I just, this is what I think about when I read the Bible. I'm like, come Lord Jesus, don't let the knife slip. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. Now in our house, I was talking to Narelle about this, she's like, are you going to use that word? I'm like, it's in the Bible. Because we, like we, in our house, we don't use the word fat. 
But so when the Bible uses it, you're like, this is a big deal. All right, when you read the Bible, there's some stuff that makes you stand up and take notes. When it talks about the physical appearance of somebody, you're like, why does it point that out? He was a big dude. He was a glutton. All right? He was a very, like not even a fat man, a very fat man. After Ehud had presented the tribute, he sent on their way the men who'd carried it. At the idols near Gilgal, he, he himself turned back and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. The king said, Quiet! And all his attendants left him. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his summer palace and said, I have a message from God for you. Somebody should make a movie about this, seriously. As the king rose from his seat, Stay on track. Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh and plunged it into the king's belly. Here's where it gets good. Even the handle sank in after the blade, which came out his back. I'm sorry. Some of you are like, oh, are we in the right church? Like, Ehud did not pull the sword out and the fat closed in over it. Sorry, some of you are just grossed out. It's not lunchtime yet. Then Ehud went out to the porch. He shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. After he'd gone, the servants came and found the doors of the upper room locked. They said, he must be relieving himself in the inner room of the house. They waited to the point of embarrassment. How long is that? How long is it before it gets embarrassing, do you think? But when he did not open the doors of the room, they took a key and unlocked them. There they saw their Lord fallen to the floor, dead. The handle sank in after the blade, which came out his back. And you're like, why is he reading this story? This is disgusting. Here's the message. Gluttony will kill you. (laughs) I love that story. (laughs) Have you read the Bible? Like, (laughs) it's intense. Any sin will kill you. Any sin will kill you. It might not do it physically in an instant, but it will kill you eventually. It's death. Living in sin with dead people walking. This is why we do baptism. This is why we invite people to receive Jesus as Lord and Saviour of their life. Because it's when we become a new creation that we can actually break free from the shackles of sin and and shame and, and bondage that hold us back and step into the life that Jesus has to offer us. That's the free gift that we have through Jesus Christ. Glutton, if you look up the definition, we could talk about um, being a glutton or being a glutton for something, just to differentiate between the two. If you think that someone eats too much or, and is greedy, you can say that they're a glutton. I, you know, I can't control my eating, considered a glutton, it's hard when people don't understand and and call you a glutton. Or the other way is if you're a glutton for something. If you say that someone or you're a glutton for something, you mean that they really enjoy it or they need it very much. One of the most common phrases we might use is, is there a glutton for punishment? We turn to use it uh, in a sarcastic kind of way that they really set themselves up to, to go through the punishment or to whatever, to endure whatever it is that they continue to face. 
You might be a glutton for hard work. It means that you really enjoy it and, and you need it. And all of these are ideas about what, what I actually need. And we've talked about this before, and I still remember a message from Simon talking about you know, our language and the words that we use and talking about what we need. I need coffee. I need to eat. I need this. I need to do that. Do you? Like, it sounds like there's some human needs, air, water, rest, touch. And there's some things that we talk about needing, but we don't really need them. This will be a shock. You don't need coffee. You don't need to eat again already so soon. As as a society, as a race, we actually eat way more than we actually need to. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever listened to yourself and thought about the language that you use, the words that you speak over yourself, over the people in your house about what you actually need versus what you actually want? And given consideration to that, whether you're just talking it into being or whether actually I do need. We do, everyone gets to the point where they need to eat. I don't doubt that. And gluttony is most often related to eating. But it can be overindulging in anything far beyond what we actually need. Need to survive, need to thrive. And so we just want to examine that. We want to go, Lord, what is it in my life where I'm actually being a glutton? What is it in my life where I think I need it, but actually I don't? And look, you know, I've used coffee as a sermon illustration so many times. I, I really enjoy good coffee. Instant coffee does not count. I really enjoy good chocolate. I don't need coffee. I don't need chocolate. I need, I need food, and I think I actually need nutrients more than just food, and sometimes I do eat for enjoyment, but that's got to be balanced out with seasons of fasting and, and going without to actually give my body time to heal and restore and recover and to not continually be at work digesting food, but we've just got to, we've got to think about how we think about food, sorry, we need to think about how we think about food. And what we put into our bodies. Was it um, 1 Corinthians 6? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so for, for me, that, those verses there, because some people think oh, I can do whatever to my body. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can't do whatever you want to your body. I can't do whatever I want to my body because this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I do, I do think about what I put into it. And I might have times, of, I do have times of feasting when I'm just like, well, oh, I just eat for enjoyment and really enjoy this and, and very short seasons, but also have seasons of fasting because I want to be completely reliant on the Lord and get rid of whatever distraction might be. And on a regular basis, what am I putting into my body? What nutrients am I getting? What do I need to stop doing to my body? What do I need to start doing? As I 
a temple for the Holy Spirit. Luke uh, chapter 12 is an incredible, uh, fascinating conversation that Jesus has with somebody who asks him um, a question. Somebody, uh, this is Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And this is quite common for people in the crowd to come up to a rabbi or teacher and say, Hey, Rabbi, can you make a decision about this? Because we're not working it out. You sort it out for us and you tell us what we need to do. So that's common practice. Jesus turns around and says, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Who appointed me the one to actually sort out your inheritance? And then he said to them, the crowd, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he goes on to talk about a rich man who had an incredible crop and decided that he would just store all his crops and set himself up for life. He wasn't going to work anymore. So he knocks down what he's got and builds these bigger barns and stores everything. And then God says to this man, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how Jesus says it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. And then he goes on, verse 22 and following. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Now again, we hold this intention. This is not an invitation to not worry about clothes at all. Thank you everyone for considering clothes today. I'm sure we all appreciate the fact that everybody else here today has put some thought and effort into clothes. And yes, it is too cold not to worry about clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now remember, King Solomon, he was the richest man ever, built the most expensive building ever. The way, and Queen of Sheba comes in and looks at how his stewards are dressed, how the table's set, how all of it's done and glorifies God because of how Solomon did everything around him and how he lived his life and how he ruled his people. And here's Jesus says, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of the lilies. Man, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Ouch. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. Here's the punchline. But seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as all, as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in, hev a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted when no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And this is the root of, of, of gluttony. It's not just that I like food and, and I like to eat. It's the fact that if I'm choosing food, is that where I'm putting my, is that, is that where my treasure is? Is my treasure in the food that I'm eating? 
Is the treasure in the coffee that I'm drinking? Is my treasure in the television that I'm watching? Is my treasure in the pornography that I'm looking at? Is my treasure in something else apart from God himself? I don't know about you, but I think it happens less now. But if you've got kids, they always want to know what they get to eat next. Like to the point that we're sitting at the lunch table eating this delicious meal that's been lovingly prepared and the kids will ask about what's for dinner. Maybe your kids don't do that. I don't know if they do. I haven't had that for a while. I'm like, we're, this, we're, we're here. We're eating, I don't know, toasted sandwiches. I'm getting hungry now. <laughs> I'm not worried about my food though. And they want to know what's for dinner. Because if we don't have, I'm going to say childlike faith, but the childlike faith in this instance isn't very strong. If we don't have the childlike faith that Jesus calls us to have, and we're always looking forward, always worried about, oh, am I going to miss out? Is there more to come? And I've had to deal with this in my own life. I'm like, oh, I've missed out on the last bit of whatever it might be. I didn't get the leftovers. And then I was like, why is that such a problem for me? Oh, I'm not trusting that I'll be taken care of. I'm not actually secure in the fact I won't go without. And so I've had to lay that down and say, God, I choose you. I am... I am choosing you. My treasure is in you, God. My treasure is in heaven, not in what I get to eat next. And th- there's always more. Do you know, as a nation, and I think almost as a world, we throw away at least a third of all food? Like, we are not running out of food, people. we just got to manage it better. And this is the thing. Gluttony isn't just an individual thing. It's a community thing. It's a worldwide thing. We're just so greedy for more. We're like, we don't want to miss out. And then in missing out, people that are missing out continue to miss out because the people that aren't missing out don't think about the people that are missing out. And I'm not saying that, you know, if you don't finish your meal at lunchtime that you package it up and send it to the kids in Africa because that's not how it works anyway. But I'm just saying let's actually, with childlike faith, be thankful for what we have, concentrate on what we actually need rather than just what we want and be mindful of the people who aren't even getting what they need. And this is the privilege that we have to, to work with organisations like Wycliffe and Pioneers and other organisations supporting the accountants. And I love the way that Gary shared that and, and the privilege that we have to support and encourage the office workers and the field workers in making sure that the people get what they need, not only in the physical but in the spiritual as well. Gluttony is a lack of trust in God. I also think it's a symptom it's not necessarily the problem. I don't always do props, but I thought props would be helpful. So here's some we prepared earlier. Now, I love chocolate. Does anybody else like chocolate? Is anybody else's mouth watering? I wasn't hungry until I... Oh, you can smell them. Oh. Now, I like chocolate. To all those listening on the podcast, I'm sorry. And this probably isn't the best chocolate for me because it's coated in something that isn't good for me. But these are so good.
This is fun, isn't it? But wait, there's more. You know, in our lives, I like chips too. Now, I can only hear this in my head, so I don't know what it's like in front of the house. Does it sound good? I think that gluttony, I'm in so much trouble for talking with food in my mouth, isn't the problem. I think it's actually a symptom of the problem. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. I also like trail mix. Does anybody else like trail mix? This is the best one because it's got chocolate in it as well. I can't even open the packet. I'll go back to my M&M's. <laughs> but you see, I say it's the symptom and not the problem. Is 345 grams a lot? That's more than a block, isn't it? I won't eat all this bag now. Because this becomes medication. See, if I'm engaging in gluttony, I don't think people decide, you know what, I'm going to be a glutton. Oh, wow, there's the sugar, hello. Oh. People don't think, I'm going to be a glutton, I'm just going to eat a lot because I want to eat a lot. I think people eat a lot. I, I have eaten a lot when I haven't wanted to deal with whatever the pain is that lies underneath it. So I eat chocolate or I eat chips or I eat something, I eat whatever I can find in the pantry because it's easier to medicate, it's easier to make myself feel better. And this makes me feel real good if I don't eat all the bag at once. It's easier to eat all this and to feel good temporarily than it is to actually go, I'm hurting inside. What is the pain in my life that I don't want to deal with, that I don't want to face, that I, want to do, I don't want to spend the time working through, that I don't actually have the tools to actually work through? And so instead of actually going, what is, what's hurting in my life right now? We go, do you know what? I'll make myself feel better. Oh, chocolate works real good. Oh, pornography, that works real good. Or oh, reading a magazine works real good. Watching, you know, an entire season of television on Netflix works real good. Avoiding somebody works real good. And actually making me feel better and squashing down the pain so I don't have to deal with the pain. Instead, I can just make myself feel real good again and again. And so before we know it, we are gaining weight. We are slowing down. We are slowly killing ourselves from the inside out and separating ourselves from the people who can speak truth into our lives because people think we're being a glutton and maybe we, are, we have gluttonous behaviour, but it's not actually about the gluttony. It's about whatever's going on inside that we don't want to deal with because it's easier just to make ourselves feel better. Can you see how that happens so easily that somewhere along the line, and this is what Narelle talked about at the start, we believe the lies of shame and we, we, 
we hide ourselves and we self-medicate using whatever we might have close at hand so we don't have to deal with the pain. And so Jesus comes along and he says, don't worry about that stuff anymore. He says, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. He says, you don't have to medicate. I can actually help you with the pain that you're facing, the pain that you're dealing with, the pain that feels way too hard, way too big, way too deep. And I have conversations with people and we start talking about this aspect of their lives that they're aware of and it might be displayed in their relationships or how they work or what's falling apart in their life now. And we talk about, we go, okay, so what's actually, what lie are you believing to operate like that? And so we start to dig down and these might be people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And then we dig down and we go, oh, as a kid, nobody believed me. As a kid, people said I was fat and useless. As a kid, somebody abused me. As a kid, I was mistreated. Like earlier, somebody did the wrong thing to me and I've never recovered from it. And rather than go back to that place and deal with that pain and that heartache, whatever it is that's hurt me, it's just easier to be a glutton and cop some of the flack for being glutton for being overweight, underweight, whatever it might be, because that's easier to face than it is to actually face the pain that I'm trying to bury. And as I was preparing for today, I was just really, I really felt the heart of the Lord, like he just wants to get rid of all that, like we just go layer upon layer upon layer upon layer and cover up the rubbish, the root cause, there's like this weed in our life that we don't pull out, we just heap stuff on top of it, cover it up, but any weed's just going to keep coming back to the surface. And Jesus, he comes in his grace and his beauty and he says, I am everything you need, like Jesus is what we need. More, More than chocolate and chips, and my family will tell you, like, hot chips is a staple part of my diet. Upset tummy, hot chips will fix it. Hot chips will fix nearly anything. It's not, I don't think it's really good for me. But, like, I can't get enough of Jesus. And I have learned, and, it, and this, this tags in with laziness. Do you know what? It's, this is easy. This requires no effort whatsoever. This requires a couple of bucks, $5 from Coles, absolute bargain, to medicate. But do you know what? For me to actually come, to come before Jesus and just go, I'm going to get away with you, Jesus. Man, I feel it right now. Some people are like so hurting so bad. They're like, yeah, well, yeah. The pain's there, but I just want to go back to that and deal with it because that's what's worked. And you tell me that Jesus works. You tell me that Jesus is what I need. You tell me that Jesus is the healer and the restorer and he's paid for my pain and he's healed me. But it's too hard to go there. As a community, we need to be okay with people's pain. And so when people say, I'm, I'm, I'm in a mess, I don't have it all together, I'm overindulging in stuff that's not good for me, my marriage is on the rocks, 
I'm looking at pornography. We need to maintain the connection with people. When they fess up and say, that's the symptom of the problem in my life and not disconnect from people. This should be the safest place in the world for people to come and say, I'm not going great. Gluttony becomes an acceptable sin because we don't want to actually take the time and create the space to sit with people when they're not going great. And I think as a church, I think we do okay at that. I think we can do better. I think our life groups can uh, play a part in that and I think we've got some work to do in that. But creating that safe place of community no matter what happens, no matter what, where people are coming from, no matter the pain or the heartache that they want to deal with, we've got to sit with them and say, we are here for you. I know it's hard, but I will not leave you. So this is what I, want to, I believe that God wants to do this morning. I know that we've gone a bit longer. Thank you for your patience. Can everyone just close their eyes and bow their heads just so it's just to remove any distraction? And I really want to speak to the hearts of people who right now there's a, 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 knot, in your, in your, like a knot in your gut and a yearning in your spirit because there's pain in your life. And this might be a wake-up call. You might be like, oh, there's pain. And I didn't even know that it was pain. Oh, there's behaviour in my life that is the fruit of pain. And I didn't know that it was there. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come into this place and have your way in us. Would you minister to each and every one of us to deal with the pain, to deal with the hurt, the grief, the loss, the abuse, the torment, Deal with the pain that's reared its head in gluttony, in addiction, in idolatry, in selfishness, in isolation. We rebuke the spirit of addiction in Jesus' name and say enough is enough. Holy Spirit, come. I believe that faith, just keep with your eyes closed, I believe that faith requires a response and we need to take a step um, sometimes to see a breakthrough. So I'm going to invite you, if there is not just about gluttony, it might be revealed in gluttony, but if there is pain in your life, whether it's from yesterday, yesteryear, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, if there is pain in your life and Holy Spirit's just revealing that to you and saying, hey, this, this pain is informing how you live, how you act, and what you believe about Father God. If there is pain in your life, I want to invite you to stand up. Not to make a spectacle of you, this is a safe place. But I want to invite you to stand so that we can gather around you and we can pray specifically for whatever it is you're facing. And I know that this is, takes a big step of bravery and courage, but I believe that there's a breakthrough on the other side of this step. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Church family, there's six people standing up saying, 
I want to end this pain and this heartache. If you love Jesus, would you go and stand with them, just quickly find out what it is? Holy Spirit, thank you for what you are doing. Jesus, we thank you that your blood is enough. Thank you that by your stripes we were healed. By your stripes we are healed. Thank you for your healing power flowing in this place today. Thank you, God, for your children. Thank you for your sons and daughters that say, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to keep covering up the pain with more medication, whatever the medication might look like. May today be the turning point in these people's lives when they break off the spirit of shame, the spirit of addiction. If you're praying with one of the people that stood up, the human brain doesn't know how to not do something. All right? If you say, don't do that, automatically we think, don't do it. If I tell you, don't think of chocolate cake, what do you think about? Chocolate cake. All right. So rather than saying, all right, this isn't going to happen anymore, I want you to declare over them what will happen from now on. If, it's, if it is gluttony, it's a spirit of self-control. We speak self-control over each and every person here. If it's laziness, we speak a spirit of rest and peace. We declare the kingdom of God to come in this, to these people's lives as it is in heaven. All right, and just finish up. Bless them. Give them a handshake, a hug or a high five, something appropriate. Invite them, and maybe not now, maybe afterwards, catch up and, and invite them into, to, to continue the conversation. It's one thing to pray and I believe that in a moment we can be changed. We are changed. But maybe it needs some more conversation. Maybe it needs some accountability. Maybe it needs discipleship. They need discipleship. Invite them into that relationship. Invite them to just have a conversation and connect after the service. I bless each and every one of you as individuals and us as a community to be free from shame and guilt and the burden of what has taken place in the past and to think that we have to go it alone. King Jesus, we give ourselves to you, we say yes to you again and again, that we would look more and more like you every day of our lives. Give us your perspective, Jesus, that we would see with your eyes and hear with your ears and we would love with your heart. May we be changed forever and because we're changed, change the world around us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.